Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Earthly Delights podcast. Amigos, today we have Barati, who is going to be talking about darkness retreats. So darkness retreat is an ancient method of personal healing and developing, which is believed to come from Tibetan Buddhism. These retreats involve a person spending an extended period of time in utter darkness, facilitating inner discovery. Uh, Bharati hosts darkness retreats in Germany and India, having become acquainted with this method in her early 20s. In this podcast, she talks about not fitting in as a kid, believing that there was something more to life, and what darkness retreats can give you, and why, even though initially I felt afraid also, we shouldn't feel afraid. Enjoy. This week we have Bharati. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for your invitation. Happy to join <laughs> Looking forward to this conversation. Um, first question, first and foremost, what's the crack or Vosgate? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's very interesting time. So we were forced closed by this corona craziness, uh, which mm. is occurring worldwide. And we got a special permission to open up since yesterday. Oh, so okay. we are very, yeah, we're very happy um, and hope that people might travel again to us. We'll see how that goes. But um, so we are right now happy that we... I uh, can do our work because I just realized how much I love this work when uh, <laughs> that was taken away from me. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, for for those who are about to find out, Barati hosts uh, a, a darkness retreat uh, in, in the Black Forest in Germany, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. And right. before... Before we get into all that, I'd love to ask you about your background first and how, how do you think this all came into your life? Sure. So should I just tell my background? Or? Sure, please. <laughs> Whatever you like to say. Okay. I mean, it's very difficult to point it on one thing. Um, I think the thing in my family was also that my grandfather and my father, my father were also very much into Eric von Däniken. I don't know if you know this guy. He is a UFO. You're not? Okay. So he is a UFO researcher. Okay. And so that was normal talk on Christmas and holidays. <laughs> so I'm, I, you know, I, <laughs> I'm already was born into a family um, that had a very open mind to certain things. Okay. Know? Mm-hmm. And um, also my my grandmother, yeah, she had some experiences, also very high spiritual experiences, and um, her her mother also. So for me, it was more like a normal thing that people have also different stages of consciousness. So I was more surprised later to find out that that is not normal, that not everybody's talking about UFOs, (laughs) 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 that not everybody is talking about having a third eye or where we come from (laughs) and who we are and who might alter our DNA. And I don't know, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, there, there are people who really have a very different mindset than we have absolutely (laughs) when did you come across this were you just at your friend's house when you were a kid or yeah when i was a kid so some people thought it's a little weird what i'm talking about um (laughs) (laughs) and later also when the first party started you know then i always felt like oh that is very 
how you say in English, like su superficial, like uh -huh. very, um, it went not, not deep enough though. Yeah. So that is when I started to realize something going on here <laughs> with me or the others. Okay. <laughs> and then what, what were your, your next steps then when you made this realization? How did yeah. you go about, um, I tried to fix, I tried to fit for a while, which made me very unhappy. I, I tried to fit in this normal society, but, um, this trying of fitting just last very, very few months and years. Um, then I, when I was, um, in my beginning of 20 years, um, 21, I went to the Philippines to study with a Filipino shamanic priest. Okay. So, I, I had not uh, long patience to try to fit in. <laughs> uh, and that is when the journey actually really happened to become uh, very, very strong and intense. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, then I came, yeah. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Uh, and can I ask just, did, when you said it was difficult and you tried to fit in, was there like re really nobody outside your family that kind of understood where you're coming from like did you really feel quite isolated and alone or were there a few friends it was just generally no many friends uh understood but you know it's like kind of um uh they're doing parties and doing drugs and stuff and i was like kind of okay i also did that alone um but kind of i felt this is not you know that's not for me just working a job which is not really interesting me And mm -hmm. then doing party on the weekends. I mean, there must be more to life. So I always had this feeling, you know, there was a longing in me because um, as a kid, I had some spiritual experiences, which are very beautiful. And when I grew older, I felt like maybe I missed those experiences. So I'm, I don't know why, but it closed some energy channels, closed down for a while. And I really wanted to get them back. And that is where I felt like, oh, I have to get a teacher. I have to get some experiences. And this is um, what really brought me to the next step. And on the Philippines, I was only a month. Then I came back to Germany. But then later on, I went for 10 years to India. So there my real journey started. Mm. Okay. C can you tell us about the initial month in the Philippines and then the, your period in, in India? Yeah, I mean, you know, as uh, a priest, the uh, shamanic uh, on the Philippines, he teached some techniques um, about, you know, how to heal and how to work with the elements, but also about what might happen in the future. And I felt like, wow, there are some deep truths in it. And many things happened, what he talked about. I mean, it's a long time ago now. Mm -hmm. And... um And also he teach some techniques, how you can feel that energy uh, when you do healings very strongly and how you can see energy. And I started to see that, like I start to see energy around trees and, you know, <laughs> around people. So we call it aura. And so I, I was able to start to see that and it was like exciting. I felt like, wow, that's cool. I want more of that. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, you know, it was, the longing was very strong to, to really, I, I really wanted to research all of that. And then when I went back to Germany, um, I did a lot of healings and I did also seminars and 
<clears throat> I felt like, yeah, I'm healing people or the energy through me heals people and a lot of things happening. But same time, you know, I wanted to have more deeper experiences. So that longing never went away. <laughs> and yeah, so that was always driven me. Okay. And then how long did you spend in Germany before you went to move, you moved to India? Um, you know, uh, I only wanted to go to f for five days to India. So I did. I had no plans to move to India. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> you know, uh, and I booked a ticket for five days <laughs> because I was so busy doing healings and seminars. And I was really from morning to night, I was so busy. People came all day long. And so I had only this five days between Christmas and New Year's. And, um, Yeah, and I told my boyfriend, I have a funny feeling that I might not come back so soon. So if something happens to me, you know, <laughs> I don't know what it was, but I, I felt maybe I have an accident or I get sick or what. I didn't know, but I felt I don't come back like normal. That I felt, yeah. But I didn't know why. <laughs> so, and then I went to India and uh, I was there five days. Actually, I wanted to stay five days. But then I felt, wow, here is really deep truth. There's really, there's the ancient formulas, the mantras, there's the, the practices the yogis do. And then I felt, okay, so I can just dive in or really practicing and really see if that really opens up my energy channels or not. Mm -hmm. So, and then I decided, okay, I stay one more week, one more week, one more week. So over the time, it became 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> so in between, I went back and, um, you know, uh, tried to, to be there for three, four weeks. But yeah, so that was pretty, pretty much my life then for 10 years. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so you studied Vedic philosophy when you went to India, correct? Um, yes, I know. So I had a very um, strong teacher um, and he was um, teaching a lot of mantras. So it was sitting and chanting with your mala and really do med meditation. And it was really practicing spirituality also. Later on, I also met a lot of yogis and also, which was really beautiful, a lot of yoginis. But that was only at the end of my journey because I really wanted to see the female Yogis also. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> okay. And then yeah. at what point did you then first come across the idea of a darkness or a darkness uh, healing power, Retreat. I suppose? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyhow, that was really interesting. That happened before I even went to India. I heard that from a shamanic woman. She said, oh, there are some shamanic tribes and they go in complete darkness and I might put a room in darkness and if you want, you can do a retreat. So that was even before I went to India. <laughs> and that was for the first time I heard about it, but then India came in between. And okay. then, <laughs> but then in India, I met a lot of yogis who did that. Also, even, you know, um, even for years, I mean, that is, It's, it's amazing, you know, what kind wow. of sadhana that means spiritual practice or some people are able to do. It's amazing. So, and at some point I also, um, got, uh, uh, initiation in, in some mantra, in some very special powerful mantra and the information I should not speak for one month and I should also do my sadhana in a dark place. So I also was uh, sitting. Um, doing sadhana in India also um, for one month 
in a dark place alone. But um, that I feel is still uh, so different than here because uh, India, you know, is India. So if you sit in a place there, uh, it's different than sitting in a darkness retreat where you have a bed and a toilet and <laughs> you're pretty relaxed yeah. and everything is taken care of. So, But there I uh, had a strong experience of my senses are opening up a lot Uh Uh, but it's also this combination of silence and darkness is also a very strong one also. Mm. Thanks. Yeah. And can can you tell the listeners uh, about your first darkness retreat and what was going through your mind the first few days? Yes. I know m many people think that this is probably their idea of hell, you know? It sounds so <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> Yeah, so maybe I can say I had uh, kind of that experience in India and then another one in German. So that one in India was different because I was really isolated and everybody else in the ashram uh, were able to talk um, and they had a very great time. Um, and instead of being happy for them, I felt a lot of jealous because I could hear them sometimes. And uh, I think now that was very powerful to see all the blockages, you know, to see the jealousy and why I cannot just be happy if these are my friends. I mean, that's beautiful. They're outside, right? And having fun. <laughs> so, And then so all these blockages came up, you know, jealous and then also not trusting the process, thinking of what I'm doing here. I'm sitting here in a cave. I mean, come on. <laughs> you know, I'm in India sitting in the dark. At least I can be out in the sun, you know, a lot of, you know, of course, a lot of doubts came up. The, the second uh, retreat, the uh, one where I felt more relaxed in German, Germany, uh, that, that was very different. There I, I knew already um, that, Uh, my mind can go a little off so I can watch my mind. And uh, in my second retreat, actually, I couldn't wait to go in. And so I really wanted to go in and I was so happy and I didn't have that at all. So I think every retreat is really, uh, you know, pressing the buttons where you have to heal. And in my first retreat, I had a lot to heal and to look at, a lot to look at at that time. And how do you think the, so for instance, when you're talking about these jealousies or what you call blockages, when they came mm -hmm. up, do you think this time alone in the dark can help you process these and kind of, I don't know, un, untie yourself with these knots? Uh, how, do, how do you think it works? Yeah, I mean, my first retreat was a month, you know, it was four weeks. So uh, I had a lot of time because, uh, of course, I had in between the thought, okay, I'm just sneaking out. I take the next plane to Germany. This is so crazy. <laughs> And I see that here in our Darkness Retreat Center also. Sometimes that people feel this is too much, you know, um, that they have the feeling of wanting to escape and they want to leave earlier. And um, so that's why I think it's better not to do a full 100% uh, complete silent retreat in the beginning. That's why I'm also um, giving the option to go once a day inside to talk to the people, you know, and help them through right. the process and, you know, being there and supporting them and, uh, yeah, giving a lot of love and care. And because 
that uh, can be sometimes very uplifting and supportive. Um, so uh, for me, uh, in, in this one month, what happened, I think after two weeks or something, I felt huge unconditional love and I felt so much happiness for my friends and everything. And I started to see the energy fields, the aura so much more. And yeah, I, it was amazing. It felt like actually, um, there was a change in my mind, like huge, like, uh, you know, somebody snipped it around. So of course that can happen, but, um, I also did a lot of mantras, so meditation, and I, I knew it's important to, to work on yourself. So at least we have to have that awareness, you know, we have to have the awareness. We are not our thoughts. We are not our, our belief system. So we have to know that also in order mm. to work on that. Mm. Do you think the darkness can help with the process of confronting your emotions and the pain that we experience in our own lives? And do you believe that when people accept this pain, it will eventually dissipate? Yes. Oh, that's a beautiful point you're making because, um, uh, you know, there's a lot of ideas about spirituality that we should be always be happy, happy, happy and just having good thoughts and then everything goes away. Mm. And I don't think so. <laughs> I think that we have to look at it and have the guts to look at our points and our pains. And in that moment, when we look at it, at that moment, so things can uh, heal and um, also transform. So, and I saw it, I saw it with a lot of people. And um, that is very important to not run away from the feelings and what happened in the past. And many, many people, you know, don't have memory of a lot of things. So that is also a sign of that there are sometimes too much traumatic experiences where just there's a memory swipe. So, and many of that memories come back in the darkness, even without doing anything. So a lot of people over this years, I mean, are doing this darkness retreats now 10 years. And over all these years, I hear from so many people that they didn't know some years in their childhood or, you know, some memories was gone and that memory just comes back, com that came back. So that for me is also a sign that um, the brain is really working and processing and healing. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I guess, sorry, uh, uh, yeah. my next question would be um, what, what do you think is actually happening with the brain uh, during this time? Do you think that the conscious mind is kind of interacting more strongly with the unconscious and, or, yes. yeah. Yes. That is a, also a very beautiful question. And, um, I know some people also who have a lot of different thoughts about that. I mean, nobody really knows hundred percent, right? I mean, mm -hmm. uh, just there are some studies, uh, on people who got sick, um, also have depressions. And if you put them, um, really in enough rest, um, there, there's a lot of studies that show that alone to have uh, enough rest is repairing a lot of things, even, um, even in the way of the brain works. And, 
Uh, also in the traumatic way, it's very interesting because in the trauma therapy, normally what you do is you have to first get the memory to, to work on that. And that is a, many times a big problem that people don't have the memory. So, and if the memory comes back, then many times it's very hard if you're in a normal therapy, for example. But here it's just very, very soft, you know, it's just like pictures coming up and it's, it, it seems to me many Many times that you only can experience what you are ready to um, reflect on and what you're ready to receive also. And also, I feel there's a lot of people who feel so happy. I, I, I mean, in my second retreat, it was also the same. Uh, also, every time I'm going in the dark to do talks, I feel so happy. I feel this calmness, you know, and I feel this this truth because our souls talking to each other. There's no mind. It doesn't matter what you wear. It doesn't matter how you look. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how much money you have or not have, what your status is or not. It doesn't matter. It's just soul to soul. So when we come to that base again, uh, I'm really convinced there's a big healing power in that. Thank you. That's, that's lovely. Um, I, I <laughs> When I was doing some reading about the darkness retreat, I read that when you spend a certain amount of time in darkness, your brain um, kind of uh, excites or ignites the the DMT. Yes. Uh, yes. Um, can you talk a bit more about this? If yes, you can? yes. Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> sure. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is a really nice side effect, what many people love to do. That's why also many people come because of that, you know. Um, uh, if I may, I want to explain why that is. There yes, is a Yeah, so there is a very small organ in our brain. It's called pineal gland. So in the Indian tradition, we call it the third eye. Uh, the tree nitra, so the three eyes, you know, tree is three. So the tree nitra, the pineal gland is um, uh, very important so that we see things, that we get um, experiences, that we see things happen in the future a little bit, that we get our instincts right, right? That we get connection to the, to the universe. So, And uh, when you have that, of course, you feel more connected. I mean, you know, so that mm. was your question before. Also, I think, I mean, what it does, it's also every time you feel that connections, all your problems shift, right? Because you find solutions and you get happiness and you don't even know why. <laughs> it's just like so easy. And even if it's difficult times, you might um, get information, you know, why that is and what is the next step. So you, you, it, it's like an antenna in our brain. So it's like, um, an antenna, which many people don't have activated anymore. So when you go in the darkness, that antenna immediately after some days gets activated. So one of the symptoms, for example, is that, you also get a lot of more DMT acting up and you see some blinking and it can be so strong like a disco light, you know? It can be chak, 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 chak. <laughs> It's really like, I mean, you know, I had that happen. I was like, oh, here's some flashlight somewhere. Somebody missed the flashlight. It's some problem here. <laughs> So, and yeah, I mean, I had people who told me, hey, I'm in the darkness retreat. I'm not in a light retreat. What is this? This blinking doesn't stop anymore, right? 
<laughs> so <laughs> that is a process. It happens uh, mostly after day three or five. Some people need seven days until it starts, but it happens for most of the people. And then if you really relax and if you really let go, then there's the next step where this blinking is um, just becoming like one light. And then you can see other dimensions. It's, it's really amazing. And some people even see the room like perfectly as it is. And some people see in other dimensions. Wow. <laughs> um, well, I'm assuming that a lot of the listeners are more familiar with maybe taking psychedelics compared to a darkness retreat experience. Yeah. So I would have to ask, have you ever ha taken some psychedelics and can you make any comparisons? Yeah. I mean, you know, um, I did that, but before I started with the darkness retreat, so I didn't do that since very long time because since I'm meditating, I feel like I'm many times natur stoned. <laughs> So I don't think I I need to take it. I have a lot of experiences where I sometimes more have the, let's say, problem to focus on this world and, you know, to, to put that logically thinking on. And so I have a lot of experiences. So, but in, yes, of course, in the beginning, especially when I was 14, 15, 16 to 20, you know, I experimented with um different things <laughs> yes <laughs> very active actually <laughs> and <laughs> so and one thing i experimented also and um i think that is a really interesting experience i had was one time with lsd it was not much it was a little bit but immediately i could hear uh into you know um, between the walls, be, um, behind the walls. Uh, so my, um, consciousness was boom, super exploded. And, um, when, when I was meditating in India, uh, also, you know, in the cave, I had the same experience without LSD. So, but on LSD that, just disappeared again and I didn't felt so comfortable. I mean, I know there are some people who are taking very comfortable drugs, <laughs> but, um, I think I personally like it more when it comes naturally because I feel like, okay, I'm okay. <laughs> um, you know, and this is not the drug doing it to me, but, uh, kind of, it's not like such a push. I, I remember being on LSD feeling after a while, like, oh, now I want to come down, but, um, it didn't stop. Then I felt very uncomfortable in the darkness retreat and also meditation. Mostly what happens if you're not ready, you don't get that experience at all or it stops once you have a fear. That's why working on the fear is so important um, because most people want experiences, but when that happens, they have a lot of fear. I had that happened a lot of times in the darkness retreat. As a emergency bell goes, oh, oh, I saw somebody standing somebody at the door. I said, yeah, that's so great. Yeah, oh my gosh, this is really happening. Yeah, so people are, many people have a lot of fear of the paranormal of the paranormal experiences. So that is that is very important if we want to have experience without drugs, uh, about about any help from outside, then we really have to work on our fear, you know? That that actually brings uh, perfectly into my next question where it was going to be, uh, why do you believe the, dark, the idea of the darkness retreat is so daunting for many people? Do you think it's a lot to do with we don't want to confront our fears? Yes. 
I mean, I hear that still a lot. What are you doing? Darkness retreat? What is this? <laughs> and yeah, I think it's uh, one part. It's they are having a fear of dark of of their own darkness, and also about confronting their fears. Yes, but also many people don't know who they are, and you know, there's a lot of identification uh, in this world right now. Um, what jobs they have, how they look, um, you know, status symbols status symbols and um so but at the end what what are you taking with you and that is i think the point where many people um are not used anymore to really feel who they are and they're not that outside they are they're the soul so and then also to be with yourself it takes a lot of self-love and mm. that is what shocked me you know when i came from india i had this idea wow i'm doing now darkness retreats i at the beginning had only one room then later i had two rooms so it started very slow you know i didn't plan to have a center in the beginning so and okay. i started that yeah it just happened step by step and i started that with that intention to bring people to high spiritual experiences and i was shocked that this was not possible with most of them i was like what is this where is this like and then i found out how much pain um, so many beautiful people have in their hearts you know and that comes out in the darkness and and um, you know so many issues and so right now I think it's only five percent who are really ready for having that real ex spiritual experience. So somewhere I feel right now you have to do that work even outside before you come to the darkness retreat um, or or here. But I think the darkness is a very fast way to to do that cleaning and the purification and to reset. Carl Jung uh, said that what you resist persists. Do you yes. think this is definitely the case here? Absolutely. And I think I also see that in many things, not just in the darkness retreat. I mean, I see that in many things and also in, uh, in you know, the way of people looking at the news and people looking at that there uh, and the happenings in the world that many people have a fear to really look what's going on. I don't know. There is so much fear about, um, you know, being not in a good energy that you might be disappointed or you want to be so much happy and so much an illusion that you accept that blue pill because it makes you more comfortable. But at the end, you have to get red pilled, right? <laughs> because if you want the truth, <laughs> I mean, uh, if you want to get out of the matrix, if you want, we, in India, we call it Maya, if you want to at least start to understand who we are, Uh, what is the use of being alive or why are we here? Um, so who, who we are, um, and to experience all the beautiful connections to the divine. Then, of course, then we have to open our eyes. And yes, of course, there's a lot of fear on that. Yes. Mm. And do you think that we in the West have replaced our worship of God with the worship of things that can be measured? Yes, absolutely. Yes, and um, actually, you know, I come also from a family which uh, they had to work very hard for what they have, but they created a good life at the end, you know. And um, so I only felt of what I had when I went to India because 
sehr, it was a really different reality. I lived like many years uh, on a floor on a coconut mattress because I didn't have money even for a bed. So, and, um, you know, there I realized, um, you know, I could had gone back. I mean, everybody would bet had been so happy. I would had earned my money again. It was I mean, no problem. I was just mm. one ticket away. And I choose to stay. And, you know, there was a time I felt so happy having nothing. <laughs> I was so free. But it was not in the beginning. I was a lot of, even, even I thought I will not have attachment. I had huge attachment and I just had a sheep car. I had cried over my beautiful yellow sheep car. <laughs> you know? <laughs> And that I, uh, you know, that I don't have holidays like others. And I don't know what, you know, our attachments are so strong. And I think one of the reasons is that the attachments are giving us for a moment that uh, feeling of control and that feeling of, you know, every time we buy something, we feel like, oh, now I have that, you know? So you're feeling like you're the doer, you're, you're feeling uh, empowered. But um, that I think, At the end, we all have to drop our bodies sometime. And later then, there we have to do that detachment work. And I love that uh, quote of many yogis in India, as I say, It's it's not a uh, it's not a shame it's not bad to have things you know there are a lot of people who have a lot of things and lots of money and wealth is no problem but the attachment and the meaning we're giving it that is a problem so it's not that we have them it's what they mean to us. Mm. Um, can I ask how do you maybe adjust with having had your your experience in India and then living this life and living with this retreat in Germany? Is it hard then? Because I'm sure you still interact with yes. uh, a lot of people. Yeah. Is how do you manage this? Is it this big difference? Yeah, you know, one part is I don't really care so much, and I think many people don't understand that. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I, and I'm not easily impressed by money or status. And I think that uh, that is really comes to that what what you ask. I mean, and one part it makes me also very sad that we limit limited um, or many people are limited to that. You know, I mean, not everybody. I mean, there are a lot of people who have money who are great and who are doing good things and who are um, really good people. So that's not that's not the point. But I I feel it difficult that. Um, you know, uh, that people sometimes, you know, um, want to have you in a certain way. Um, so it's a little bit, I'm living my own life here. And uh, so one part, I don't really care. And um, we're doing a lot of permaculture right now, you know, so I'm spending my money also on plants and sure. fruit trees and, you know, <laughs> And uh, of course, you know, sometimes uh, we enjoy the Maya and Matrix of having also physical things. That's that's okay. But generally, I live a very different life. So I'm not enjoying going on concerts or, you know, um, going restaurants like other people do. So, of course, that is, uh, I, I'm still a yogini, you know. I'm practicing every day my mantras. Um, so 
I'm living, I think I'm living um, the outside a little bit normal, normal life, more normal than before because I have now a center where it's also, you know, people working in it and it's like a business and I have kids and uh, that grounds me a lot since I'm married. That's mm. huge grounding. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> of course, and that's beautiful, and that's that's really good. But um, same time, I'm also yeah not so much into it. And of course, that um, I think many people have different hobbies which I don't have. Yeah. So, but yeah, so that is not my. I I don't feel I have a problem with that. I think that's more the problem of other people who want me to be a certain way. <laughs> Thanks for that. Um, you you mentioned in a video before that after the retreat, many people say that they are way more sensitive. Yes. And I wanted to ask, do you think that the change, this changes where and how they want to live? As I think personally, it's quite hard to live in a modern Western society when you are sensitive. Yes. Yes, maybe that was also your question before. Now I now I get that a little bit better. Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm. Yes, yes, yes. So that's true. I'm, I'm more sensitive, and uh, I also cannot imagine, for example, to have to live in a city or something. And uh, um, you know, it's very interesting. I had to go for family reasons uh, last year to New York, and I, I was like really like, oh my gosh. I mean, wow. And I, I, and I felt that I had to do more practice, more mantras, more meditation, because it was very difficult to stay in my energy otherwise. So, mm. yes. Um, and um, I hear that from a lot of people that they are sensitive, very sensitive, which is a good thing because they feel themselves, you know. I mean, it makes you feel alive. It means that is, is a, your soul telling you, hey, you know. And what is a little sad when when people feel that and don't know yet how to change their life so that they can always have a beautiful, happy life where they happy in their sensitivity because it guides you through life, you know, and we should listen to that. That is what I think. And I know a lot of people who change their career um, or also their life after being in the darkness retreat. I had one woman in the darkness retreat, even while she was here, she told me, ah, oh, you know what? Uh, I have to cancel my job. I I will not go back to that job anymore. I just made that decision. <laughs> so that are really, really, really um, big things that can happen where people start to listen to their souls. Yes. That's great. Um, I wanted to know also um, the demographic or the yeah, the demographic of people that come to the darkness retreat and what they hope to get from it, because I understand that you have quite a, a varied bunch of people coming in for different reasons. Yes. So that's interesting. Yes. Um, so in the beginning, I felt, um, um, oh, yeah, I would love to guide people to spiritual experiences and out-of-body experiences and lucid dreaming because that's some of my hobbies. And I'm also practicing and teaching on that since many years. So, and I think they are right now 30 to 40% coming also for that because they know me for that. But some people come for, you know, finding themselves. They have questions in their lives. They don't know what to do next. It's a kind of many people use the darkness retreat to see again, to get the feeling. Um, where do I want to go to? Am I on the right track in life or not? 
And some people also come. It's very interesting to really work with me on some issues. So they know that uh, they know, but that are people who know me. And um, mostly they know me from before, from another retreat or something. And they, oh, you know, I have this big issue. Um, I really had that problem with my parents before. And I feel I took it, uh, this patterns into my life right now. And I don't want to give that to my kids, that patterns. Um, can I come 10 days and we work on that subject? So I also have a lot of these people that I really love, as really love because then there's no hiding. So we really open up and we really, really can do a lot of things. That's great. And then there are some people who are also overworked and some people who um, really burned out, a um, lot of burnout, a lot of sadness. I had even people with depressions. Uh, and yeah, I mean, all kinds of things. <laughs> uh, and for people listening who are trying to, to picture what exactly happens during the retreat, can you just give more detail that you, you walk into the room, the room is completely dark, mm-hmm. uh, you you give food, you give advice once a day, or can you yeah, expand on this please? Yes, so we have, uh, so I started in another house with one room now, we changed the house into a house with eight darkness retreat rooms, <laughs> so yeah, and it's a beautiful house in the middle of the forest, uh, in the black forest. So the nature is very nice. So when you, when people come here, I always say, please try to bring time before you come and afterwards also, because it's uh, really good to, to have some time to adjust and to feel your soul and to make a little walk in the nature. And then, yeah, there's eight rooms. Each room has a toilet and a shower and a bed and uh, some place to where you can put your things. And it's fully dark, but you also you can make light in the beginning. So when when uh, my guests come, they I show them the room and they can place their things in the room and they can get a feeling for the room and switch off the light and feel how it is in the dark. And then when the time is coming, I'm chanting a mantra with the light, with a candle, and then we blow out the light together, and then the retreat is starting. So there are three different ways of doing a retreat. Um, one is mm, having a retreat completely in silence. Um, so we have an emergency bell 24 hours on call so if anything happens still we are reachable of course there's always somebody in the house um it's my team or me and um uh, but i only recommend the complete silent only for people who already did vipassana or longer meditation sessions or silent retreats before then we have the um retreat where i come once a day for a talk and so we work together and I, I don't have a plan. So I only feel what is there, what the energy is there, uh, what that energy field needs right now. And I come in and I just ask, can I sit here? Of course, all full in darkness. <laughs> and I love to do the, da- the talks in the darks, big, uh, darkness because, um, there's a different energy as if we talk over the light. It's just a soul to soul talk. Um, and so, yeah, then something comes up always. <laughs> the time is mostly running so fast. <laughs> so, yeah, sometimes an hour feels like 10 minutes, yeah, because there is no time there. 
many is different time. And um, yeah, my team is preparing food and also smoothies and uh, tea. And in front of each room, there is a table and that corridor is also dark. And so we ring a little bell when the food is ready or the drinks, and then you can take it out of, of your, from, from the corridor, from your table. So, yeah. And in the groups, that is the third way of doing a retreat. Everybody has their own room, but once a day, I'm meeting, uh, once a day or once, um, sometimes even twice a day, I meet with a group. And we talk in a group, in a group room, and that's, I love groups. That's always so amazing. So I have, um, an astral projection group and I have a healing group. And so, yeah, that are my both favorite groups I'm doing. Great. And can, is there things that people can do to prepare for this? Do you, do you recommend that people have meditated for a, a while beforehand? Or do you think that? the majority of the population can just walk into a five or six day <laughs> darkness retreat. Yeah, I think everybody can walk in. It's just, um, you know, nobody would walk in if they don't have the calling. <laughs> so, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, and um, I mean, I had that happened that, uh, you know, just recently before we um, had to close down for a while, uh, somebody came and he actually wanted to do just a three-day retreat, which I feel is very to less time because it needs more time for the pineal gland, you know, to be activated and thing. But, you know, after, after a few hours, he already was standing outside again. I think, what are you doing? You, you should not go outside by yourself, you know. I'm, I'm happy to bring you outside with your eye mask on, you know. And he was like, oh, that's too much. That's too much. It was too much. <laughs> like, what happened? I mean, that can happen, you know, that his pineal gland just popped open the minute he went in and he just had all that visions and he saw so many fractures of things and mandalas and collars and wow and he was thinking we put some drugs in his glass and water I said no I mean <laughs> so he's like oh my gosh no this is so crazy and so and then I convinced him to go inside again so um but uh, yeah so that can happen too so um but we are here for that, you know, if anything happens, we are here to support. So you never know what's coming up. You never know what's coming up. I think to prepare, what is always good to understand is um, that the mind always tries to find something to have the power of control again. So the mm. ego is super sneaky, super sneaky. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, it, you know, so it's good to, I mean, I, I do a practice, um, personally, uh, when my ego is like kind of telling some big stories, I would say, Oh, yeah, dear Barty ego. Hey, how are you again? Nice you are here. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I try to practice to not, um, being always absorbed in it, you know. And um, also to not fight it. I think that is important practice to um, watch ourselves. And because if we fight it, it becomes stronger. So to try mm. to accept and yeah, try to also see if you can sit maybe one day alone and don't talk to anybody and don't listen to anything and 
just to find out what silence does with you because some people make them very nervous. So that's mm. very good to to find that out before you come into the darkness retreat. I mean, me personally gives me always big peace. I'm very happy to as more silence as better <laughs> for me. Yeah. But um yeah, but some people really need always a lot of action. So then they should first try to practice a little bit silence. And do you think if people do spend, for instance, 12 or 24 hours alone and they're experiencing a lot of, uh, you know, strange or threatening thoughts or emotions, do you think that's that's like even more of a sign that you need to do deeper work? Because a lot of yes. people would say, oh, no, this is terrible. I need to leave now. I don't want to do that again. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, because, you know, you are always with yourself where you can run, you know, finally, latest when we, <laughs> when we die, we have to face ourselves and people will be shocked. It's not over. Surprise. You will be there. Just you don't have a body to be busy with. So better to do the work now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. Thanks for adding. Um, before I ask, we, we move into the final section of the podcast. I wanted to ask your thoughts on, um, I'm sure you're familiar with Nietzsche describing the death of God in Western society a few hundred years ago. And I wanted to know, like, do you think that in the West we have replaced our worship of God with a worship of things that can be measured? Yes. Ah, uh, you asked that before. And yes, um, I think absolutely. But same time, I think that is challenged also right now because, um, you know, the world is changing. And in order to really change into coming to that heart space again, where we feel our hearts and uh, feeling each other not as objects, you know, and not treating each other as objects and see what we can get from somebody. If we really want to connect with everybody, there has to be um, not just the realization of, you know, that we're giving the power too much to the outside, but also how much divine power is in each being and each being that is alive. And um, so I have a hope, you know, that the consciousness of the world has a big chance, a very big chance. I have a hope. Yes. Thanks for that, Ferrari. And uh, I guess we can move to the final section of the podcast where we ask our guests uh, what they do when they experience a particularly tough day or they are down and they're like having quite threatening or down thoughts. Uh, do you have mm -hmm. a sit like a, f a few rituals or a practice or that you yeah. could share with us? Sure. So for me personally, um, I didn't have that so much, but after, after this Corona crisis started, I had that for the world. Um, it's, mm. I feel a lot of shakiness and a lot of dark agendas. And, um, actually just recently it shakes me sometimes every second, third day. And it's interesting because every time it shakes me, um, also I see, oh, okay, this agenda is opening up now. This is happening. So, and, um, uh, I personally can say 
I cannot do much. It's hitting my heart. Uh, I'm having tears in my eyes. What I feel is very important is to connect to the nature. So what I do is really I'm going into the nature, which I luckily have here very near with me. And um, the earth element is very powerful. The earth element is connecting to our heart chakra. So walking barefoot is really helping uh, a lot. And um, I'm trying to do the discipline, you know, no matter what, we are, because it's very easy to practice and do meditation when we are happy. It's very easy. But um, what I do is every evening, no matter what, even if I feel so, so bad, you know, or anything, I, I sit on my Rudraksha mat, um, that is uh, some energy objects. I sit and I do some mantras. So that's it. So, and every time I'm doing that, I feel so much better behind, after that because, um, you know, we are not changing our field. We are also changing that of others, you know, and that is so important, um, that we, especially in times like that, where the earth is changing so much right now, um, that we are also getting awareness, you know, that we are all, we all have the capacity of being a light being and channeling so much divine energy uh, that and only that will help um, to raise the consciousness also of the earth so to do meditation and to do the sadhana no matter how we feel is in my opinion very very most important so we can we can we can lose money we can make money again um, you know we can but we cannot lose our soul or make our soul again so that is very very important that we um, try to really stay in touch with our soul as much as we can uh, that is my opinion so that is what what I do so having discipline and walking barefoot <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm glad you brought this up okay because recently I've been trying to walk barefoot in the, in my local park Oh, good. And, uh, yeah, a few of my friends are uh, even a bit embarrassed to walk with me as I walk barefoot. Okay. But uh, and, and then they ask me, why do I do it? And then I can't really put, uh, the only thing I can say to them is that I feel this like immense, like what it's, for instance, I'm in, I'm in the car or I'm walking in my shoes. I don't feel that stressed. But when I walk barefoot, I feel like whatever stress that was in my body has like evaporated even more. It's, it's hard to yes. put into words, but I just feel so much more relaxed. It's yes, yes. Yeah. Oh, I let me tell you that my guru, um, mm -hmm. uh, he's a really tough yogi. <laughs> so, uh, and he walks barefoot um, for I think now since uh, fifteen years he's walking barefoot. He never puts yeah. on shoes, and he even walked in the in the Himalaya barefoot in the snow. I mean, unbelievable! <laughs> oh, I just said that. <laughs> yeah. So, and he wow. told me too. And even you know, uh, one time I invited him to us in India. We have a small house there rented, and um, I asked him to come to us. And we had a guest bed, and he said, "No, I don't want to stay in the guest bed." I said, "Why? No." can you not get me uh, um, like some blanket on the floor it's much better to decharge the energy and connect with the earth and I was like wow wow yes <laughs> ah, ah okay and, and that's probably what we're doing when we're walking barefoot yes Mm. Yeah, we're connecting to Earth, and I think that's why also the the um, the very old days, all the darkness retreats were done in caves, because the caves are also connecting so much to the Mother Earth, and 
That's why I personally feel it's um, very important to connect um, to the nature because it, it's it's our real mother. It has a lot to give to us. That's beautiful. Thank, thank you, Brady. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we go, I, I will provide the links of, of your website, of the DAC industry, and your personal Facebook uh, when we release the podcast. But is there anything that you'd like to say to the listeners if they're possibly a little interested or before we go? Yeah. Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, don't be afraid because, I mean, I oh, yes, I want to say that. <laughs> that we talked about now all of the things that might be scary and things, but there are a lot of people who go in the darkness and they're like, oh, this is so beautiful. I don't want to go out again, you know. And <laughs> <laughs> so I had, uh, like, for example, Danilo, he came from, um, from Brazil and he planned to stay 21 days. And after five days, he's like, oh no oh no i have to stay longer i have to stay 49 days and (laughs) so yeah he stayed 49 days in the darkness here with us in august and um, he didn't even after 49 days he felt so sad to go out because you know that is the beauty as a yogi or yogini once you feel the inner peace you know that is such a bliss and um everything outside in the Maya you just like feel oh my gosh that's the interruption of your of the energy channels <laughs> so uh yeah I mean that can happen too you know that you're so happy and I also know some people who who had a lot of fear before and felt oh no that's nothing for me but uh when they just felt oh okay let me go a little bit uh, into it. And when they came here and they just did a small retreat, they didn't have any fear inside. Because the most work, I think, we're not doing in the darkness. We do before we do that experiences, you know. I get you. Yeah, even mm-hmm. when I was listening to uh, Aubrey Marcus, uh, when he was discussing his time at your retreat center, mm-hmm. he was also saying that when he left, he just had such a, profound appreciation for the smallest of things that you forget about yes. when you're not in a dark room you know right. he, he used the example of uh you if you're on a plane and a lot of people complain complain that when they're on a plane right. there's nothing to, there's nothing to do and they just feel constricted right. and he's like right. when, when you're in a dark room there's nothing to do when you're on the plane yeah. you can listen to music you can talk to people you can read books you know all right. of these things um, right. And yeah, he, 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 he just seemed totally appreciative of the whole experience and it kind of yes. o- opened him up to, I guess, the ignorance that we have sometimes when we're walking around things and we don't really appreciate even the small Yeah, things. I mean, we all have that. We all have that. And I remember that too. Uh, one of my retreats, I came out and I was like, oh my gosh, is this green so green? I never saw this so green. <laughs> and I started to cry because this nature was so beautiful. And I, I felt so guilty of not seeing that before, right? I was like, mm. oh my gosh, why, why, why I'm in this illusion? And Aubrey also, he had it hugely. I mean, he touched, it touched my heart so deeply. Um, how he kind of, um, really saw, you know, that kind of matrix and Maya. And wow, I mean, I, I felt his big heart there. It was really, really touching. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing how we almost have to be, we have to have something taken away from us for us to really yes. see it with like these fresh new eyes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, yes. Well, yes. thank you. Thank you so much, Brady. This is a, I really enjoyed this conversation. 
Yes, I'm too. Thank you. That's really nice. And yeah, maybe one thing also uh, I want to share what you just said. We have to take it away until we see what there uh, in the um, you know there are some traditions traditions in Tibet. So um, and uh, that was also 49 day initiation into darkness. And one of the I mean later on they do other ones like can you imagine three year retreats three My God. years. Three years, three months, three days, you know. My gosh, no. So I don't do that here, but <laughs> the maximum <laughs> I did was <laughs> 70 days. <laughs> so somebody hey. was for 70 days. Yeah, that was the maximum until now. But the point is that if you're lucky, that appreciation you have, uh, when you come out of the darkness, that might stay. So that's kind of an enlightenment stages where you see through that Uh, Maya. So that is uh, one of the goals. Um, why the Tibetan do that? It's um, not just uh, about the energy you have in the darkness and also about to see uh, where your body, uh, you know, because normally I think I am real, right? Because I am my body. But when you die, you, you don't have a body to relate to. So in the darkness, you can, you can, um, play with that. You, uh, most of the people after a long time in the darkness, they get out of body experiences, even if it's by accident. They get lucid dreams and things. So, and then they can see, oh, what I can create with my soul and what do I create with my body and what creates the illusion. And then also when you go out, you kind of, you know, there's a chance that you are out in this world, but you're not fully in this world. You know, there's a chance that a part of you is always connected to God. So that is, uh, that, uh, of course, there's no guarantee, but there's always a chance. But <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm incredibly interested and I do hope to, uh, to try a retreat in, in the near future. So I hope to be in contact with yes. you soon. And Super. I really appreciate. I really appreciate you giving us the time to talk today. Super. Thank you. Thank you. I'm happy to meet you. Yes, thank you yes, also. And too. yes. <laughs> Thanks a million. All the best.